I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome, Vicki. What do you have for us today? Hi, Patty. Well, I'm going to talk about something a little different today. I usually focus on a particular scam, but last week I received a study titled Exposed to Scams, What Separates Victims from Non-Victims? It had some good information, and I thought I'd share some of that with our listeners. Now, that sounds very intriguing, Vicki. Where did the study come from? Well, there are several authors who put this study together, and they came from the Stanford Center on Longevity, the Federal Trade Commission, the Better Business Bureau, and FINRA, which is short for Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Hmm, That sounds like a very credible group. What did they have to say? Well, the article started out with some interesting statistics. Of the 1,400 folks they surveyed who reported a scam, Nearly half didn't engage with the scammer at all. 30% engaged but didn't lose money. And 23% of those folks engaged with the scammer and unfortunately lost money. Mm. So I'm assuming that the half who didn't engage at all were those folks who took your advice of just hanging up, deleting the scam email, or throwing away the sweepstakes and lottery solicitations. That's right. And of the second group, those who engaged but didn't lose money, the reason they gave was that something just didn't feel right and they trusted their instinct, so they cut off contact with the scammer. Well, I'm sure you'll agree it's always good to listen to your instinct and to remember that if it sounds too good to be true, unfortunately, it probably is. Probably is. That's right. The study also talked about the types of frauds that are most likely to suck people in, and they named four. The first was the online purchase scams, next tech support scams, which we've certainly talked about, third employment scams, and fourth the fake check money order scams. Now, I remember Sean from Montecito Bank and Trust previously talked about the tech support scam. That's been around for a while now, hasn't it? Can you give an example of those other types of scams you mentioned? So, an example of the online purchase scams would be like the puppy adoption, where you try and buy a puppy on eBay or Craigslist. Wow, I remember when we had a very sad example of that, where someone tried to buy a particular type of puppy she'd fallen in love with online, only to find out that no such puppy even existed and that it was all a scam. Right, but in the meantime, she'd paid for all kinds of fees for shipping, food, a crate, vet bills, etc., all phony. And by the way, this scam is particularly prevalent right now because when people shelter in place, they get lonely, they want a companion, and so they look for a dog. So another example of this kind of scam would be also some of the current COVID-19 scams where fraudsters are offering safety products, things like testing kits, vaccines, etc. The victim pays for the items, but the items are never shipped. Yes, 
there are a lot of COVID scams, as we've discovered. We've also talked about the employment scam, where someone is offered a job online, but you first have to purchase certain equipment. And of course, there's no job. What about the fake check scam, Vicki? I remember that was another one. Right. This is the case where the victim gets a fake check along with an exciting announcement that she has won the lottery or sweepstakes. All she needs to do is pay the taxes on her winnings, which of course she has to pay up front, and she can use the check that she received to pay the taxes. So she's instructed to deposit the check into her account and then write out a check to the scammer to cover those taxes. But of course the check is phony. It eventually bounces. She didn't win anything. And now she's out the amount of money that was supposed to pay for the taxes, and she's going to get charged for a bad check. Oh, wow. What a lousy deal, isn't it? So those are the scams that we need to particularly watch out for. That's right. And another factor in terms of making somebody more likely to fall for a scam is how they were contacted, the method of contact. The most common methods of contact were by phone and email, but interestingly enough, not too many people lost money that way. Surprisingly, the most common method of contact was by social media. So of those who were exposed to a scam on social media, 91% engaged with the scammer and about half lost money. And of those who were exposed to a scam through a website, 81% engaged with the scammer and 50% of those lost money. Those are so interesting, those statistics. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of romance scams because most people are exposed to those scams through social media or a dating website. And we have learned how dangerous those can be. Yes, Patty, that is so true. And did those who were victimized give reasons as to why they fell for a particular scam? Yes, they did. And there were many reasons. The most common was that the victim thought the person was official. In other words, the victim believed the scammer was from the IRS or the sheriff's department or their local hospital. And victims were also more likely to lose money if they felt they were under some kind of a time pressure. They had to make a decision quickly. Or they believed this offer was a chance to get ahead financially and make up for past mistakes. And Patty, some of them felt intimidated or threatened by the scammer. Wow, you've talked about these red flags before, and scammers certainly have it down. Scammers pressuring the victims to make a decision before they have time to think, making them think they were talking to a government agent and using very aggressive, almost threatening approaches. That's right, and another very significant factor was whether or not the victim lived alone. Someone who's socially isolated, who doesn't have anyone to run things by, who doesn't have anyone to help them make choices, is much more vulnerable to aggressive scammers. This study found that among the people who engaged with the scammers, those who didn't discuss the solicitation with anyone were much more likely to lose money. That's really a very sad finding, isn't it, Vicki, that so many people are lonely and don't have someone to run it by when they need to make a decision, especially when it is a scam and they're being pressured to make it quickly. Did this article offer any suggestions to help people avoid getting scammed? Yes. 
it said that education is really important. People in the study reported that if they knew about the scam ahead of time, they were able to avoid it. Also, third-party intervention. Either a family member who warned them off or maybe a bank teller who spotted a scam when the victim tried to wire money and talked them out of sending the money. Well, Vicki, it makes me feel like our job is very important, and especially thanks to you, to let people know about these scams because I think that is the best way to avoid them. And are there other ways to educate people? Well, according to this study, the best way to educate people is by word of mouth. So some people learn about a scam by reading an article in the newspaper, seeing a public service announcement, attending a presentation, reading a flyer. But the way most people find out about a scam is hearing about it from somebody else. All the more reason to encourage people to listen to Scam Squad and share what they learn. Absolutely, Patty. You are doing a great public service. Oh, and so are you, Vicki, especially (laughs) you. you. Thank you. And if people are worried that they may have been scammed or that someone they care about is being scammed, how can they reach you? My phone number is area code 805-568-2442. I'll say it again, 805-568-2442. Well, Vicki, thank you. This was a very interesting Scam Squad episode, and hopefully it helped people to avoid being scammed. Not sure if you have any good news for us today or if that was it, Vicki. Well, I have just a little bit of good news here. We talked about that fake puppy scam, and this just came through on one of my news feeds. Two dozen charges filed against a Canadian woman for alleged pet scams. So apparently there is a woman in Canada who was selling kitties and puppies online, only the kitties and puppies did not exist. But in the meanwhile, people were defrauded out of hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So she has been arrested, she has been charged, and hopefully that will stop this activity from her. Well, that's good news, Vicki, and I thank you so much for sharing. Be very careful with these puppy scams because there are all kinds of them, and they have different twists and turns, and they're easy to fall for, especially when you see a picture of a darling little puppy and you have your heart set on it. So true. All right. Well, I look forward to next week, Vicki. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Patty. Until then. Bye-bye. Bye.